is a privilege and an honor to be preaching this evening and have the opportunity for you all to be here tonight. I appreciate Mr. McLean. He is our crossing guard from Timberidge Elementary. It's good to see him. We're always, <laughs> I'm so glad that he came tonight. Vietnam veterans, so we talk military, we talk coffee, we talk, talk, we talk technology, and a lot of coffee. So, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Numbers chapter 21, verses 14 and 15. If you feel comfortable in doing so, can we stand to our feet to honor the infallible word of God tonight? Numbers, children of Israel in the wilderness, wherefore it was said... In the book of wars of the Lord, what he did in the Red Sea, and in the brooks of Arnon, and the stream of the brooks that goeth down to the dwelling of Ar, and lieth upon the border of Moab. If we feel comfortable in doing so tonight, can we close our eyes and lift our hands? Can we just go ahead and let go of the day that we had, the week that we had? Forget about what is going to transpire tomorrow and just live in this moment. Can we begin to lift our voice as a family and a collective to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Can we begin to lift our voice as the ones born again of water and of fire that was endued with power when the Holy Ghost came? Can you begin to lift your voice in the house here tonight? Let your voice begin to drown out the doubts. Let your voice begin to drown out the situations. Begin to lift your voice, children of the Most High. O King of Jacob, we are privileged to be in your house tonight. God, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are for us. And if you are for us, who could ever stand against us? God, you remind us that you have gone before us in the darkest of hours. God, remind us of your wonders tonight. Remind us of your love tonight, God. Remind us of your faithfulness here tonight, God. That you are the God that can do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. God, move into this place in Jesus' name. God, we pray that your intentions come to fruition here tonight in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? And somebody give our God a shout of praise here tonight, for he is worthy of all praise and adoration. Lift your voice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords here tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, it is a privilege and an honor to be here in the house of the Lord tonight, to be given this opportunity to speak at our state conference. Tonight, I'd like to preach this particular thought, the power of remembrance. The power of remembrance. Who would agree that our memory is a powerful thing? Sometimes we feel like our memory is slipping. Have we ever been in that place where we walk into a room and we forget why we walked into the room? I'm like, okay, I don't want my wife to know. And then you just look like you're, you're owning the situation. But a, a memory is a powerful thing. Us as a human race, as a human species, we have a, an amazing ability in our nature that God gave us to remember things. It brings us back to a moment. That's why we keep photo albums, and we've moved into the digital age where it's in our iCloud and our Google Cloud, and we look at pictures from years ago. When we look at that picture, it brings us back to that moment. It invokes emotions. It, it invokes uh, euphoria, which is a rush of emotions. It brings us back to a place of nostalgia. I'm like, man, I remember that time. I remember what transpired. I remember the feelings that I had. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes it's the food that we eat. I eat a particular dish, and I'm like, man, I remember eating this here or there. Sometimes it's a smell. Man, I, I smell that fragrance of a flower. It, remembers, it reminds me of the place I grew up. Sometimes I smell some trash, and I'm like, oh, it reminds me of my deployment overseas. Amen. But, but those things invoked our memories. It invokes emotions. It brings us back to that place. And our past is a powerful tool if we utilize it correctly to determine our present and our future. Our past should never define us. We should never be defined by our past because God makes all things new. And we are new creatures in Christ. Our past, if utilized correctly and put into the hands of God, can refine us into the person and the individual and the son and the daughter that he wants us to be. Amen. It is important not to live in the past, but hold on to our memories. Hold on to our testimonies. Hold on to our memorials. So it gets us in the fight in the present and prepares us for the future. Amen. We don't want to live in the past. I've known some people, and I've shared with this church, that still wear their Letterman jacket. And I graduated high school 21 years ago. Like, my friend, you've got to let it go. Let it go. Please. The state, the state conference of 1999 is done. Amen. But our past should refine us into the person that God wants us to be. Amen. I think that we sh- would agree on that. The preservation of our past, the preservation of our history in the context of preparing our present and our future in God should be a focus. Not living in the past, but taking those object lessons, those testimonies and those memorials to take us into what God has for us in the future. Amen. We've got to preserve our history. The preservation of history uh, prepares the present and prepares for the future. Amen. I remember there's a quote by a very popular person in history. It says, keep the people from their history and they are easily controlled. That was quoted by the father of communism and the father of socialism, Karl Marx. When we lose our past, we lose our history, we lose ourselves to our emotions, we lose ourselves to the devil, and we lose ourselves to the cares of life. And we forget what God has done in our life. Amen. God throughout scripture has commanded or has inspired individuals to build memorials. What was the purpose of a memorial? It was to honor God at the moment and to bring the people back into a waypoint, back to that moment with God in their current situation and a future situation. There are many times that God commanded them to build an altar build a memorial, or the individual was so inspired by the wonders of God that they built a memorial, they built a testimony that they can lean on. Because they come across a situation that is difficult. The enemy is in their face, but they go back to their memorial. They go back to that altar. They go back to that place and said, if God has done it once, he could do it again. Amen. It reminds me of when God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend at the porch of the tabernacle in the wilderness. He told Moses twice, I have gone before you and I have sent an angel before you. God has been with you in that circumstance and he has gone before you in the circumstance that you've brought into this place tonight. 
God will show himself again if we trust him and run to our testimonies and our memorials. Amen. Why? Why the memorials? To remind the children of Israel and every great individual in the Bible of God's goodness. I remember his wonders. I remember his love. I remember his faithfulness. I remember, as it says in Exodus, that he is my man of war. He is the one that fights for me. He is the one that is with me in the circumstance. God is with us. Amen. But if we are not careful and we forget our history, we forget our memorials, we forget our testimonies, then we are subject to be subjugated by the present or future situations because we forget that God is with us. We get overwhelmed by the circumstance. We get overwhelmed by the trial. We get overwhelmed by the testimony. But we've got to go back to our stones. We've got to go back to the altar and remember what God has done. Amen. It wasn't just for us, but it was for our future generations, our children. What got the children of Israel in trouble is they forgot their memorials. They forgot their history. They forgot remembrance. And they went to the gods of Canaan. And it caused sorrow. It caused judgments. We've got to remember our memorials. We've got to remember the roadmap of us and God. We've got to remember the waypoints that he has made in our life. And we've got to go back to it. To take care of the circumstance now and the future circumstances to come. Amen. We know that the Ark of the Covenant was a remembrance. The law, a pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded that gave him the leadership over the Levites. Those things went in the Ark of the Covenant to bring a remembrance to the people. God's law is in there. Look what he did in the wilderness. Amen. Even the Bible that we read today and even the Torah, all 613 laws that Moses received on the mount was a remembrance for the people. Read it every seven years. I want you to teach your children. I want you to say it over and over and over again that God is for us. And here tonight, I'm here to remind you, to bring you back to your roadmap, to bring you back to your memorial, to bring you back to your testimony that God has gone before you and he is with you. Can we give the Lord a hand? Clap of praise tonight. Amen. I am reminded in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. Very familiar scrap scripture. What the, the first patriarch of the children of Israel, Abraham, was instructed by God to take his son, his only son Isaac, to Mount Moriah, which would be the birthplace of Jerusalem, which would be the birthplace of the temple. He was told to take his son, his only son, not Ishmael, but his only son Isaac, to be sacrificed. It was a demonstration of faithfulness it was a demonstration of obedience and as we know that that boy that young lad in Jewish tradition he was 38 years old that he was laid there and Abraham was about to sacrifice his son the angel said stop and what did he see he looked out in the thicket and he saw a ram in the thicket and he saw and realized that God sees and provides in the circumstance so he called that place that day Jehovah Jireh the Lord that sees and provides and many of us here tonight have thought to ourselves we're contemplating and we are struggling how is there going to be provision in this circumstance what is going to transpire what is going to be the supplication what is going to transpire God sees and provides amen 
Amen. We were reminded of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And there was a battle between the children of Israel and Amalek or the Amalekites. And that there was a battle where Moses was there on the hill. And Aaron and Hur were responsible for holding the man of God's arms. As long as those arms were up, they were victorious with Joshua and the children of Israel. And then they defeated the enemy of Amalek. And they called that place. They created a testimony. They created a memorial. They created an altar at that place. Jehovah Nisi, the God that is my banner. And then they went back to it. They went back to that place. And here tonight, God is reminding you that he sees your desperation. He sees what you're looking for, what you're searching for. And realize it is a God that sees and provides. That the enemy is coming to you like a flood, but his banner is love. He is a banner that is over you. He is a banner over your circumstance. He is a God that is for you and a God that has gone before you. Amen. I reminded of when the children of Israel so desperately for 40 years longed, longed for their promise, longed for their identity, longed for the land flowing with milk and honey. And they came to the place of the River Jordan longingly just a few more steps, a few more feet. They could get to the place that was promised to them for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise of God to get to the place that God said he was going to give to them. Can you imagine the desperation that they were in the last moments of this battle, the last moments of their wandering, the last moments of their wilderness, and they were right there desperately trying to go in to the land flowing with milk and honey. We know that it was Joshua, Caleb, and every Israelite at the age of 20 or less because of disbelief. And then they had the memorials along the way. So we know that they went to the river Jordan and it parted and they put 12 stones in the middle of that river, one for each tribe of Israel. And they crossed clean over is what it said. It was dry ground like the Red Sea and they crossed it. And then the moment that they crossed, they put another set of 12 stones on the bank as a memorial and said, let this be a remembrance of what God has done to bring you to your promise. Let it be for you and your children's children and the next generation to come. Many of us are walking and circumventing and are in the perimeter of our promise waiting to go in what God has given you and all he said was have the faith to walk through the river. Have the faith to go over to the place that I told you to walk. I have shown you time and time again my wonders. Here tonight God is wondering for somebody here tonight is waiting and desperate for provision. Many of you are in the middle of your battle, and many of you are waiting for your promise, and you are like a, a Moses. It was his choice, and it was judgment, of course, but you're sitting in the land of Moab on your mountain to bow, looking at a promise that you wandered 40 years from. God is saying tonight, remember who I am. Remember, bring in a remembrance of what I have done. Have the faith to understand that I provide. Have the faith to understand that I'm your banner. Have the faith to understand that I will push you through into your promise by faith. Amen. I'm reminded in the book of Judges, the great judge Gideon. Great name, by the way. That's my third child's name. It's a great name. He's not quite Jerubable yet. He hasn't torn down an altar. Amen. But Gideon was sitting under an oak tree, and we know that the children of Israel for seven years were in the bondage of the Midianites and the children of the east. 
These individuals, these invaders, ate up their food, drank up all their water. They took their houses, and they were in a desperate place. And an angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, Thy mighty man of valor. But he had doubts. He had uncertainty. He should have remembered the testimonies. He should have remembered the memorials of their forefathers. We know the book of Judges is a cycle. New God, forgot God, bondage, deliver, new God. Fifteen judges were needed. But God called Gideon, and he proved himself by a sacrifice. He proved himself by an offering. And he called that place Jehovah Shalom, the God that is my peace. And here tonight, we are in the chaos. Here tonight, we are in the uncertainty. Here tonight, we are in the turmoil. We're sitting in the storm. We're sitting in the tempest. And God says, peace be still. Some of us tonight just need peace of mind, peace and emotions. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And here tonight... He wants you to meditate on your memorials. There's distractions going on, but God is going to have his way tonight. God is going to fall into this place. Remember your stones. Remember your altars. Remember your memorials. Remember your waypoints. Amen. God wants to deliver peace. Amen. Now, our primary scripture tonight was the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 14 and 15. And in that particular scripture, if we could bring it up, there's a point I want to say where it's, it says the book of the wars of the Lord. Man, that's one of those interesting, I shouldn't call it obscure, but those little hidden treasures that are in the Bible if you look for it. The book of the wars of the Lord was a extra non-canonical, that means it's not canon. It wasn't God-inspired. But it was believed to be a book of chronicles, a book of remembrance. Now, it is one of those lost books. There's not a pure translation of it. We've got a few mentions in the Bible, and this is one of it. And so, in the book of Numbers, it's saying, it says in this book, and so it is a book of remembrance that the children of Israel Israel wrote down and annotated. It was believed to be a book of war songs. And they had to go through the war to write their song. It was also called the book of the wars of Yahweh, which was the Old Testament name of God, the Tetragrammaton, the, tetragrammaton, the, the four letters, later on to be Jehovah. But it was war songs that were written specifically for the children of Israel. They sang it into battle. They sang it to themselves at the war camp. It motivated them. It reminded them that God fought these particular battles. Amen. They were war poems. They were possibly military campaigns. They were more than likely talking about the spiritual battles that God had fought. Like, my God is a man of war. Amen. But one of my favorite things that many theologians believe that there were taunting war songs for the enemy. To taunt, to antagonize the enemy. I know that the children of Israel in every campaign that they went through, they weren't quiet when it came to warfare. Many rabbinical, uh, rabbinical rabbis, right, uh, rabbinical thought processes believe that they prayed coming up to Jericho. That they came, that they begin to pray and praise God and sing these war songs into battle. Amen. And so Numbers chapter 21 
is an interesting chapter. Children of Israel sinned. There were some poisonous snakes. There was brazen serpents that God sent to deliver those that went to it. And then they prepared for battle. Numbers chapter 21 was the 39th year in the wilderness. And they were being prepared to go and take the promise that God had. And they went to their war songs that were written on their heart. And tonight I ask, how many war songs do we have? How many war poems do we have? Because I don't fight against flesh and blood, amen, but against principalities and power on high. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Praise is my weapon. Faith is my weapon. Worship is my weapon. That is my war song. The word of God is my war song. And you better believe that it taunts the enemy. Can you imagine the motivation of the soldier? They weren't defeatist when those war songs went out. They were ready for the fight. And here tonight, we need to dust off our war songs and begin to sing those poems of war, those songs of war, those testimonies of how God is a man of war and the one that fights. Amen. Amen. That's an epic book, I'll be honest. Amen. So Numbers chapter 21 they went through that, Pastor Luna. They had the brazen serpent. And then they began their campaign on the eastern side of Canaan. And they immediately went after that. And they went to the Amorites. And they defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites. And right after that, they defeated Og of Bashan, which was the one of the last of the giants of his type. They defeated a giant. And I'm here to tell you that, do you remember the 12 spies? And how ten saw uh, walls and saw giants that made them look like grasshoppers. And two had the faith, Joshua and Caleb. I'm here to tell you that once they understood God's capability in the latter part of their wandering, that the walls that they feared were given to Manasseh. And the giants that they feared were defeated. And they understood that the God that they serve is greater than what they feared. Amen. I'm scared of the walls. Well, it went to the smallest tribe. I'm scared of the giant. Well, I just defeated it. What is keeping us from our promise tonight? Are we scared of the walls around our blessing? God is ready to give it to you. Are we fearing the giant? God is ready to bring down that giant. Giant in Hebrew is Nephilim. It means fallen. They've already fallen. Amen in the name of Jesus. Amen. Joshua chapter 10. Verses 12 through 13. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Yashur? It's Yashur, that's Hebrew. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and has not gone down about a whole day. We are in the battle. We are in the third battle of the campaign of Canaan. Jericho fell. Ai fell. There was some sin, but Ai fell, and they went into the land of Gibeon. The Gibeonites were wise. They made a deal with Israel, said, please don't kill us. We'll just do whatever you want. Please don't kill us. And the five kings in the area went to war against Israel. And those five kings were defeated. Those five kings lost their power, and they were thrown into a cave and hung on a tree. But God 
stood the sun and the moon at this particular time. It was a memorial that was written that would go to generations. They could go back and remember, if God stood the sun and God stood the moon, what can he do in my problem now? Amen. And so I want to point out the book of Yashur, which is the book of the just one or the book of the upright. Many theologians believe that the book of war songs, the wars of the Lord, and Yashur are one and the same. It is another lost book. It is non-canonical, but it was a documentation. It was to memorialize the heroes of the Bible. There were songs and poems and those heroes and remembrances. It was non-God-inspired, uh, non, uh, but they went back to it to remember. They read to it to remember. Now, it is one of those lost books. There was one that came out in medieval times. It's not it. They call it the pseudo-book of Yashur. But it means the upright ones. They would read from it to remember the goodness of God along with the law. Here tonight, where's our war songs? Where's our war poems? Do we have the, the book of the, ju the just one? Do we have the book of God's goodness? And so it is mentioned in the book of Joshua that basically Joshua believed to be the writer said, if you don't believe me, look at this other testimony. From the mouth of two or three, let all things be established. Amen. So the book of Yashur was another book of memorials. Now it's mentioned in the book of Joshua and we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 18. Also, he obeyed them to teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it was written in the book of Yashar. So we have a secondary mention of this. This is David. This is David coming to the end. Well, Jonathan and King Saul had died on Mount Geboa. And the, the following uh, verses, chapter 19 through 27, which you could read later, is part of this poem in the book of Yashar. So Saul had died on Mount Geboa. Jonathan, David's best friend, brother by marriage, but really his brother. They loved each other, his best of friends. But because of the choices of his father, that kingdom fell. That lineage fell. Jonathan died. David cursed Geboa. And you can read the rest of, that time, the rest of those scriptures, what I said. It's in the book of Yashar. It's in scripture as well. But it's a song of lamentation. Because David wept with the children of Israel. He didn't rejoice in the loss of Saul. He wept. And he was in a place of lament, which is of great sorrow, great sadness. And many of us here tonight, we may have songs of war. We may have our book of Yashar, the, the book of the just one. God showing his, his self and his wonders and his capabilities. But many of us tonight, we have a song of lamentation, which we don't know how to get out of. David wept for his father-in-law, his king. He wept for his best friend. He said, oh, how the mighty have fallen. This is, this is that song of lamentation. This was David writing on the pages uh, from his heart the things that he lost. And many of us tonight have scrolls and scrolls of songs of lamentations of the things that we lost. And David sorrowed with the tribe. David sorrowed for Jonathan. He even cursed Mount Geboa and nothing can grow there today. But what he did was interesting. He taught the people how to use the bow. 
Because he understood that, that energy of lamentations, it's a memorial. I'm weeping with them. But it can become an energy towards warfare. That warfare of a testimony, that warfare of a memorial, that energy that was lost, he could put it to the bow. He could put it to what was lost. And here tonight we have many songs of lamentation that we carry with us, sanctuary to sanctuary, house to house, car to car, place of employment to employment. But God here tonight is wanting you to go back to those stones, to those altars, to those memorials, to those place of remembrance, to let God turn your lamentation and your sorrow into a warfare. Because it wasn't just the use of a bow, but it was to honor Jonathan, his best friend. And here tonight, God wants to turn situations around. Remember. Remember tonight. If we feel comfortable in doing so, can we stand to our feet? God, the sorrow. God, the things that I've endured, the things that I've lost. God, how, how are you going to do this, God? Remember your memorials. Remember what was lost. If we feel comfortable in doing so, can we close our eyes and lift our hands? It's just you and God now. I know many of us are fatigued by the day, but God is in this place. God, I remember. God, the song of lamentation, God, it hurts and aches within my heart, God. Let it be a warfare, God. Speak to us tonight, sons and daughters of the Most High. Come on, lift your voice, children. God, you are the God that said you made all things new. I remember what you did years ago. Do it now. God, let me cross into my promise. That's it, church. Lift your voice. Let your voice, God, the song of lamentation, it burns, God. What a beautiful message. We all needed it. All of us needed it. My daughter's going to sing. You do what you feel led. Don't forget service tomorrow at 10. The altars are open. It's kind of like the woman that went in and washed the Lord's feet with the tears that fell from her eyes. People around began to rebuke her. And the Lord said, let her alone. 